0: Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the full court press. Oh, yes! Caught! Touchdown, get it?
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Hopefully you had a nice long weekend. Uh, maybe took a little bit of time to recover from a rough Saturday for Aggie fans. But um, yeah, uh, we're here to try to figure things out. Hear from the coach. Uh, hear from the, some of the players today. i uh, love to get your reactions as you've uh, had some time to let it sit and maybe stew a little bit. Uh 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. Uh yeah, getting reactions to the Utah State game at Alabama. Losing 55 to 0. Uh Jason, you put together your Monday cooldown. Some there are some maybe good things to take away from the game. And Coach Anderson tried to point those out in his press conference on Monday. It's not all doom and gloom. But I know it has a lot of Aggie fans concerned. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times, just in this at church or at the store, or texts that I've gotten over the weekend, like people are freaking out, wondering what this team is really like this year. So I went through that freak out, and then
3: you know I do my Monday cool down. I call it that for a reason, because I try and take Sunday. I usually end up spending some of Sunday writing it. Um, but also watching, rewatching the game. I didn't actually do that this Sunday because I was like, I ain't getting nothing from this. <laughs> I may end up going back and watching it later. I, re- I rewatched a lot of the UConn game for my Monday cool down that week. But you know, the, you know, once I got through that kind of cool down stage for myself and writing it, you know, the, the two main takeaways was in the title of the Monday cool down: red flags on offense, optimism on defense. Uh, and Coach Anderson, like you said, he pointed those out. And we'll we'll probably play that audio later. Um, there are some good things on defense. Uh, stopping the run. I mean, this, the stat that I calculated and kind of pulled out um, was basically, if you kind of remove Bryce Young, because all I think he had like five rushes or something like that. All of them were scrambles. They weren't designed run plays. And Anderson yeah. pointed that out as well. He said all of his runs were scrambles. So on designed runs... Alabama had 178 yards rushing. 58 of those comes on one play. So on 26 design runs, excluding that one 58 yarder, Utah State gives up 120 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. That's a pretty respectable number against a team like Alabama for Utah State. It's a number you can very much live with. And so for me, that's the main positive is that defensively, you look, they, they played better against the run against Alabama than they did against UConn, at least in the first quarter. They actually did pretty well against UConn in the last three quarters. So, generally speaking, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of the front seven their ability to stop the run against good teams and against some bad teams. We'll see if they can establish some consistency. And also, they do have to be able to stop running quarterbacks because giving up 100 yards to a quarterback is a critical failure in some measure. You can't just ignore that. So they do need to take care of that because they are going to face some athletic quarterbacks. But generally speaking against designed runs, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of this team. It's not perfect, but that's something you can cling to and say, all right, we're doing good here. As far as passing, longest play they gave up in the passing game was 25 yards or something like that. Everything else, they kept it in front of him. Yeah, they kind of got shredded a little bit, although they technically held Bryce Young under his career completion percentage by about 3%. He was like 18 of 28. So, yes, they gave up like seven straight scoring drives or you know touchdowns on like seven of nine drives or something like that. I forget the exact numbers. But, you know, 41-0 at halftime, that's not pretty, and it's not great. But there are positives you can pull away from that.
1: On offense, it's a different story. Well, before we get into the offense, yeah, I mean, there were, the defense was trying to be aggressive, but they gave up points every time Alabama touched the ball. Yeah.
3: That's why I, I can't say it was a good defensive performance in really any way. It's just there are things I can isolate and say, all right, that's kind of a positive, that's kind of a positive. And also, it's also where I can kind of accept the excuse of, This is Alabama we're talking about. You know, there's some places where I'm not so much accepting that, but on defense I'm a little more accepting of that excuse given that I'm also able to drag some positives into this. So, yes, they give up 55 points, but I can pull something positive out of the defense. I can't do that for the offense, at least at this point.
1: Uh, On that point, 8798 texting in, offensively, it was one of the worst game plans we've had in a very long time. Coaches put players in a no-win situation by the play calling that was done in the first quarter. You could tell they were there to collect money and not get hurt. Terrible job done by the coaches. Yeah, I know a lot of fans are thinking that way.
3: Um, There's part of me that wants to say that as well. I'm not necessarily going to contradict that. Uh, One thing that I was looking up earlier... I had a very um, fiery tweet in the middle of the game where I basically said something about running on third and long and how that's, you know, that's not even trying, basically is what I said. (laughs) It was was a little fiery. And I got some (laughs) likes because a lot of people were feeling the same way I was. Uh, But I, I looked this up. Utah State's third down plays. Now, I calculated these third and long plays. Third and long being seven yards or longer. Uh, they ran four runs on third and long. So anything seven yards or longer. They had three passes, and there was another pass that was a screen. So, I mean, look at it. They have third and 11 in the first quarter. They run the ball, gain three yards. Third and 10 in the second quarter, run the ball, get nothing. Third and 17 in the second quarter, run a screen pass, get a couple of yards. Third and 11 in the third quarter, rush it again, get no yards. Third and 10 in the fourth quarter, game's almost over. They run Robert Briggs and get four yards. Like, I get running the ball every now and again on a third and ten to keep your uh, opponent honest, and especially a screen pass because that can be a little cheeky, and if you've got a good running back, that can be a legit way to get a first down if you catch the, the defense being overly aggressive. That's a legit strategy I can respect or at least understand. When it happens five times <laughs> in a game, that's
1: where I begin to raise an eyebrow. Right. It just they, they didn't stretch they it didn't look like they were trying to stretch the field. They had the one throw to Cobbs on on the opening play. They went for 23. Did they really throw any other deep passes? Very, very few. Yeah, a handful. I think there was one maybe to Van Leeuwen that got broken up. Um, you know, there were a few passes downfield but few. Few passes downfield. This was a game plan designed to be let's just not get hurt. And it wasn't like, let's let's go out there and show them what we're about. We're the Mountain West Conference champs. We beat two Power 5 teams last year away from home. Let's just show this team what we're about. Let's give our guys a shot. It, it didn't seem like that was the offensive mentality during the game.
3: And it felt like you kind of go back, and maybe I'm trying to read too much into this and using a 20-20 you know, hindsight and maybe reading into things that aren't there. But you just look at the way Coach Anderson talked about this game, before and after. Didn't feel like he wanted to be there. Sure, you know, it was exciting been going to Alabama. Of course, he's been there before and got his butt handed to him then. But here it's like, you know, he talked about how he didn't like that his players had to be in that environment. And he talked about, you know, these buy games or whatever the term is. Necessary yeah, evil. Yeah, necessary evil. And it's like all kinds of didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And that... Goes into your point where it's like, all right, let's get in, get out, collect our money. Utah State's about two million dollars richer. It only came at the cost of the dignity of your football team.
1: <laughs> a lot of parallels between this game uh, last week, in, in the second week of this of the schedule, versus a few years ago when they went and played LSU, who was in ranked number five. They were the eventual national champions. Now that was what week five. Week yeah. 4 or 5, Something like it was that. deeper into the season. But both times, the head coach, both Coach Anderson, not happy in the week leading up to it that they had to go play that game. Both teams coming off of 11 win seasons. Remarkable, the parallels between both matchups. But in that game back in 2019, the Aggie, that Aggie team gave up a little bit more of a fight offensively
3: yeah and that was one of the points i made and actually today i was thinking there's actually kind of two games that are kind of contradictory that are maybe confusing me in terms of trying to figure things out because one of the things i love to use when you know talking about football is precedence things like that you know has it happened before you know how many times has it happened before and try and use that to predict the future that's that's kind of my method and That 2019 Utah State versus LSU game, I mentioned that in my Monday cooldown. where, yeah, if you talk about, like, you know, all this is Alabama, it's Nick Saban and how dominant they are and spectacular and amazing and superlative after superlative, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that 2019 LSU team was one of the best college teams ever. After the first quarter, I think it was 7-6. If I remember, I got to find where I wrote all this down.
4: You're right. It was, 7-6. and then
3: it so after one quarter against Alabama, I think Utah State was down like twenty-seven nothing, or something like that. At least it it, it was basically already. You know, it was seventeen zero after first quarter with Alabama, and then 41-0 at halftime. Well, it was twenty-one to six at halftime of that LSU game, still within reach theoretically. That's two touchdowns, thrown a two-point conversion, suddenly you're tied. That's comeback capable and then eventually it just progressed and eventually you get down um, 45-6 I think was the final score so you know Joe Burrow I think stayed in until the fourth quarter like yeah. early in the fourth quarter is when he got pulled so it's like that team the 2019 Aggies who went 7-6 and six that year they were kind of mediocre they did not live up to their previous season in really any way at all and yet they put up a real fight for at least half a game and then made LSU earn every single one of those 45 points. didn't even look like Alabama had to try to get to 41 at halftime. So then the other game that is kind of contradictory is, well, Georgia just absolutely spanked Oregon. So I'm wondering, like, are things different with these, you know, top-tier SEC teams? I don't know. If you want to be optimistic, you can use the Georgia Oregon and say, "Well, that just happens to us teams now that have to face Alabama and Georgia."
1: Well, look what happened to Florida and Utah.
3: Yeah. So it's if you want to be optimistic, you can use the precedent we just barely set in the same week. But for me, that 2019 Utah State LSU game really it's the it's kind of the thing that made me think, "All right, even in context, you know, Utah State was supposed to lose this game." But even in that context, this felt like a bad loss.
1: And it's largely because of that 2019 precedent. All right. Love to continue to get your reactions. I uh, have several texts coming through. Full court press text line is open. 435-339-0321. Uh, this is uh, from two. Let's see. No, got to make sure I get the right one. Nine three one five. My biggest and best takeaway was no sacks on Utah State the whole game. That would have not happened last year.
3: They dropped back like 24 times. Which, yeah, no sacks and 24 dropbacks, but again, they barely passed.
1: So And in what passing they did do, were not designed to be deep running routes where you may need a little more time in the pocket. Yeah.
3: So I, I will give Utah State kudos for, generally speaking, having decent pass protection. Didn't feel like Bonner was under a crazy amount of pressure or Lega or Williams, maybe a couple of plays, but there is some context. Say, well, if they'd actually started slinging the ball around,
1: would have got sacked a few times. Uh, Let's see. Five, four, five, two Utah state played a junior NFL team. Didn't expect it to be a game was hopeful. USU would at least score was excited when they opened the game with a pass down the sideline to Cobbs. And then they never did that again. Let's, quote, surprise everyone by not throwing ever and just running it right up the gut. They will never guess that's coming. So I'm working
3: on crunching the numbers of how much Utah State's running versus passing. The only thing I managed to do before starting the show was the Utah State is running the ball right now 63% of the time of their plays, which is like, it was just eyeballing the table I'd made. I didn't have it numbered properly, but I think it was like top 15 in terms of percentage in the NCAA so they're running a lot. And again, I'll say this again, last year they dang near set a school record for passing attempts in a single season. And this year with a lot of the same offensive pieces, same quarterback, they're running the ball 63% of the time as opposed to last year where it was like a 65-45 or 55-45 in the other direction. Hmm. So I don't know what's going on. Well, I have an idea of what's going on. I think a lot of the other people have the same idea. But it it's just weird to see Utah State just stubbornly stick to the run no matter what. Even on third, third and long and long, they will run the ball.
1: Uh eight seven nine eight uh texting in. Can't put too much blame on the defense when the offense tries to run in between the tackles on third and eleven. Goes for a fourth and one on their own 40-yard line in the first quarter. Defense was on the field the entire game. That's very, very true. If that defense gets some semblance of a breather on the sidelines in that first half, or really at any point during the game, uh, I would have to suspect that you know they wouldn't have given up 55 points. But when the offense is out there for a quick three and out, and then the defense has to come out again, I just, it just wears on you. I don't care who you are, that's going to wear you down. And that offense didn't really do anything to help give that defense a chance.
3: Yeah, that was one of my thoughts during the game. Is like, dude, this team's on the field. The defense is on the field constantly. Then they're just getting run around by these crazy Alabama athletes. And so they're, they're just constantly out there.
1: Uh, a couple more texts. 2104, how many USU injuries in the LSU game versus the Alabama game? Well, uh, no. Coach said today or yesterday, no, no real significant injuries for USU. Everybody should be back. Um, I don't remember. I don't recall what injuries there were in the L- in the LSU game.
3: I don't think anybody missed time. I know Mariner got absolutely rocked. And I think he had to leave the game, but I think he was back uh, by the next game.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't remember anything significant in the LSU game.
3: I mean maybe David Woodward had another one of his concussions, but Because <laughs> yeah. that season that was the that one that
1: ended his career because he, he kept getting concussions. Too so. often, unfortunately. So Uh two one nine seven, I'm telling myself we spent the week preparing for Weaver State. Hopefully. Hopefully. Whatever they did, they didn't game plan for Alabama. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, did you miss the other text?
3: Yeah, I think you started with I the... I must have missed one. You started with the later text than the first one he did.
1: Uh, there was a few Aggies that Bama had to double-team, so that's great for the rest of our team, We teams we play this year. Uh, so he sent a picture of, uh, Vons getting double-teamed. Yeah, I mean, they... You know, Utah State's defensive line did good.
3: Maybe that'll be probably one of the main things they'll go back and watch, is the offensive and defensive... Line matchups because one that's the easiest thing to study. I, I can't study the corners and wide receiver matchups because I don't have all 22. But you know, I thought Vons and Grishik and even Joyner had pretty solid days. Uh, they showed they could win those matchups even against you know, Alabama offensive linemen, SEC offensive linemen.
1: For the most part, I'd agree with you, but Bryce Young had a lot of time in the pocket to find whatever wide receiver that he wanted. Yeah. But like I said, they're not going to see a lineup like that again. And yeah, like I said, flashes
3: years. wasn't perfect. <laughs> yeah. And and they didn't they didn't contain as well. Again, one of the things that I've been noticing since last year, Utah State's really good at pressing the quarterback. They're terrible at bringing him down. Like against UConn, they did the same thing. They pressured him. Uh, The one calculation I saw is that they pressured him on like 51 or something like that percent of passing attempts. Didn't have a single sack against UConn, but they pressured him a ton. Pressured him. They got one sack against Alabama. Obviously didn't have near the uh, pressure
1: percentage. And and there was some home cooking. There was a lot of holds that never got called. Yeah. And there were were calls that were against Alabama, flags that were thrown, and then they'd pick him up. There is no penalty on the play. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen that three times in a row where flags get thrown and they pick them up and say there's no penalty on the play.
3: I've probably only seen 10 or 15 flags just get picked up and waved off in my life.
1: And three of them just came in the same game. That was a little bizarre. That uh, was a little bizarre. 4 4 seven, 4 Glad I didn't ever go on a bender and put a grand on the Aggies winning the national championship.
3: yeah. Uh, th- the The real story there needs to be a couple guys got drunk and put bets on the Aggies, that's really what it is. Yes, they got national attention because they placed a drunk bet on the Aggies,
1: <laughs> and then doubled down a few days later. Right, uh, five nine eight zero defense was on the field a lot, but USU rotated first through third strings starting the second quarter, so it was inevitable they'd score a lot. Good experience for all, a- and that's a good point. And I did see that, and uh, Coach Anderson alluded to that yesterday too, that. There was a lot of substituting going on on that defense, really across the team. But the offense, those substitutions seemed to happen a little bit later in the game. But defense was subbing guys in and out early on because they were having to be on the field for so long.
3: Yeah, they were. Yeah, the first-team offensive line was in there as late as the third quarter, I think, um, before some guys started getting subbed in. I do know. The defensive line... Von's and and Grishik were in there a while, but obviously interior defensive line, they're dealing with some injuries there, so they think they've been rotating a little bit more. And I think Holly ended up going down with injury and leaving, so right. But that was a little later in the game. Still, yeah, there there's there's some excuses you can cook up for exactly why the defense gave a lot of gave up a lot of points. I don't want to excuse them completely, but again, there's a reason I'm more optimistic about the defense because they again, like I said. There are positives I can pull, there's a few excuses I can lay out and feel like, okay, I see a path moving forward for this defense to be good. I see a path for the offense to be good, but it's based on assumptions that have not been proven yet. And that's why there's red flags on the offense. Because I have to assume certain things about the coaching staff that I really don't want to have to assume. And then I have to assume these guys are just better than they've been playing
1: yeah and, and I uh, I had to find myself and over the course of the weekend multiple times pulling myself back and reminding myself we wouldn't really find out who this 2022 football team is really until late September when unLV comes to town because you got a, a team in your opener who doesn't know how to win football. Then you go. Then you flip it totally 180. A team that doesn't know how to lose football on their turf, and then after that, you've got an FCS opponent. So, and then a bye. So we won't really know what Utah State football is really all about until a month into the season. And that's the really frustrating
3: thing is that not only is it, it's not like we're just playing our game. And we say, oh, we don't really know who it is because they've only faced good or bad teams. It feels like the coaching staff is leaning into that by saying, we're not going to play like us until we face UNLV. We're just going to play the most conservative football you've ever seen in your life. And nobody will know who we are until UNLV or even BYU after that. Because maybe they, they come out with the same game plan against UNLV that they did against UConn, or that they will against Weber State. You know, just run, run, run. If we have to, we'll pass. And we'll mix it up a little bit by throwing some passes. But it, it's frustrating to see that attitude out of a coaching staff or a parent attitude. That's the thing I don't want to assume by the coaching staff is that the coaching staff isn't trying. I don't ever want to have to assume that about the, the team I'm covering is that, like, oh, the coaching staff doesn't care. Because then that's them overlooking an opponent. They did it against UConn. And they're lucky to come out of that game with a win at times. Because, you know, if a few bounces don't go their way, they would have been in serious trouble in that game. Because it felt like the coaching staff didn't take that seriously. They felt, we're going to run the ball, and we're just going to win. And then against Alabama, we're just going to run the ball, and we're going to lose. And against Weber, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to win. And then in the bye week, we're going to run the ball, and it's going to be a bye week. And then we're going to run the ball against UNLV, and we're going to win,
1: and then we're going to play BYU. Like, what the heck is that? But <laughs> It may be dangerous to assume you could just run the ball and win against UNLV. Yeah, so that's they're, why. That's they're, why they're throwing everything out there and gaining confidence. And uh, getting momentum on their side.
3: Yeah, that's why I'm hoping we'll at least see something, because UNLV might be an actual legit opponent. Of course, they were kind of legit last year. Dang near lost to them that last year. Yes. Um, so maybe they'll take them seriously. And so hopefully, on September 24th, we will see an actual game plan revolving around Logan Bonner doing what he does best. Throw the ball,
1: not hand it off to Calvin Tyler Jr. Well, and it... it it raised other questions about, really, th- th- how healthy is he? What is his rehab really like on his knee? Uh, it may not be as as sturdy as we've been led to believe. Maybe that's why it's been a little bit conservative. They're just buying time until his leg gets healthier, um, until the, you know that, that knee is a lot stronger. Because there was swelling. They took him out of the game. He got dinged up. And it seemed like we're just gonna do what we can to protect Logan Bonner.
3: Yeah, they took him out in the second quarter. They waved the white flag in the second quarter by pulling their quarterback. Yeah. Which it made sense. I'm not gonna criticize him for that decision no. at all.
1: Look, protect look, do you wanna go crazy against a team that you're way overpowered and you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna win. Um, or do you look take the short term loss? and keep your eye on the long-term goal of the team and say, yep, oh, we're just going to eat this and we'll see how things go uh, the following week. So a lot more to discuss. We'll hear from the coach, hear from him. We'll hear from the players a little bit later on. Uh, love to continue to get your reactions. 435-339-0321. We'll also talk about Region Eleven football. Fourth week in the books for Region Eleven. And they turned their attention to region play this week. But what are the observations about how things went in non-region play for our local high schools? I'll update you on that. Uh, as well and our pick six results it's all coming up on the full court press
4: boys and girls club of northern utah invites you to form a team and play in their second annual scramble for the structured golf tournament it's set for october 3rd 10 a.m at the logan golf and country club the one thousand dollar foursome fee includes golf cart and prime rib lunch after All proceeds go towards creating a new Boys and Girls Club structure in Cache County. Contact the club in Brigham City or call Jenny Schultz at 435-723-6224. That's the Boys and Girls Club Scramble for the Structure Golf Tournament, October 3rd. Cash Valley, the Utah Wood Stoke Changeout Program opens up February 1st. If you want to change out your wood, fireplace, or stove and replace it with a gas appliance, Advanced Fireplace and Stove can help. Receive up to $3,800 towards your new gas stove or fireplace insert. Idaho has a changeout program, too. Let the professionals at Advanced Fireplace and Stove take the chill out of winter with a new heat and glow insert or Vermont casting stove. Stop by their showroom or visit them at advancedfireplaceandstove.com.
2: We would
0: like to welcome Prodigy Brewing to the heart of Logan. Cache Valley's first and only brew pub with family-friendly dining. With an upscale twist on classic brew pub fare and ingredients sourced as local as possible, they are thrilled to be part of the heart of Cache Valley. Bring the family and try their wood-fired pizza or their mouth-watering signature burger. Located on beautiful Center Street, open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pizza, burgers, and brews. Mmm, tasty.
4: I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. of
0: Utah. of Northern Utah. 5, 7, 5,
3: 2, 6, the Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cash
1: Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cash Valley. Our team of experts
3: look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cash Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan.
0: Think young, drive young. It's the Full Court Press, with Eric Franson and Jason Walker.
1: Ah, it's still hot. It's gonna be hot still for a few more days around here, and that could be tough on your vehicle, take it into Valvoline. It's an oil change across from Angie's. They have Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil. Plus, to get you back out on the road fast. 695 North Main in Logan. So, uh, Utah State with a rough weekend at Alabama. Yeah, great tradition. Great opportunity for a lot of players. A lot of players did see the field for USU. But um, offense struggled, defense struggled. Uh, It was a rough... Rough Saturday for the Aggies, and uh, a lot of you know rough for the fans as well. Hoping to see at least be a, a little bit more competitive in that game. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to chime in, a couple more texts coming through. Uh, two one nine seven says um, our offensive play calling has been less than underwhelming thus far, and uh, Bonner does not look right. Also, Briggs needs a lot more touches. He's electric.
3: Yeah, I've really liked what I've seen from Briggs, and yeah, I know, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that are. I've seen some calls for the offensive coordinator's head, metaphorically. <laughs> they're they're already starting the, uh, you know, fire the offensive coordinator chance.
1: Uh, that's a little early. It is way too way early. Way too early
3: uh, for that, especially given what we saw last season. I thought you know they have really good. Um, they have a good offensive system there. And you want to see more from it than just two bad games. Um, but, yeah, Briggs, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Well, uh, I don't know
1: that I classify UConn as a bad game. I mean, they ran the ball you know, with impunity. I mean, get what – Yeah. So, if it's working, just keep using it. Keep going at it. Yeah.
3: So, and we're going to see that against Weaver State, too. So, again, it's just it, – I don't know if it's so much bad play calling as a commitment to a weird offensive strategy, one that at times feels like it's committed to not trying. You know, you're not trying against UConn super high. You're just running it, running it, and running it. They threw it for a little while to establish dominance in the second quarter, and then went back to running it, running it, running it. Then against Alabama, they ran it, and so we, we we've not. Yeah. S- it's not like the offensive coordinator's been bad. It's the game plan is questionable. And, again, that's not because they're bad at making game plans. It's just they've made a decision and they're sticking to it. You can argue the merits of that. But when we've seen this offense, you know, last year, they were good at their job. Not spectacular, but they're good at their job.
1: Yeah, I agree that we. I would have liked to have seen in, in Utah State should have thrown the ball more. Like if it's about, you know, protecting Logan Bonner and his leg, okay. But you know, can can Cooper Lagau throw the ball? Uh, can Levi Williams throw the ball? Because we didn't see either of them throw it either. So it's not like it was. Well, one quarterback is struggling to see the reads. Uh, he's not getting it out quick enough. Let's see what these other guys could do. Because the game plan was the same when those guys were in there. It was to limit mistakes and to get through the game. Cause they're all excited that hey we didn't we didn't have a turnover. We didn't throw an interception. Well, they didn't really give many opportunities for that either. Yeah. There was no aggressive down the field opportunities. Uh, and so that that big defensive front for Alabama could stay home. But they didn't have to worry about you know, anybody running past him or that there's a threat that anything is going to go over their head.
3: Yeah, I mean Bonner was still the leading passer in terms of well, attempts and yards. You know, he threw nine passes. Lega threw eight. Williams threw five. They didn't. They just didn't throw the ball. 22 pass attempts. There are a few more drawbacks where uh, Levi and Bonner and uh, scrambled. So you know, 24, 25 pass plays called.
1: That's <laughs> That's conservative as heck. Very conservative. Uh, a couple more texts coming through, 9315. I'm sure this is the last year we play YBU um, that they don't want to tip their hand so we get the wagon wheel for a long time. I like Jason's game plan up to YBU. Run and run some more as long as we win by one point up to then. I like it. So the, the thing that makes me frustrated with
3: this this theory of what they're trying to do. Now, I'm not the only one who's thought about this. There's a lot of people that are just saying, oh, we're not going to tip our hand. Right. It's- and it's like, then why the heck are you playing a football season? <laughs> play football! We don't play tra- to win the game! Don't gamesmanship the first five weeks of the
1: season so you can win against BYU. That's bullcrap. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said about momentum and confidence. And... So far in the first two weeks, Utah State doesn't have much momentum. And I certainly got to be struggling with confidence after that performance at Alabama.
3: Yeah. So it's like play your game. Don't be Air Force. Don't be San Diego State. Your strength, you are so excited about your wide receivers. You know, you're returning Logan Bonner, who's, you know, the record holder for a single season. And, you know, last year the, the team threw for 4,200 pass yards, which was far and away a team record. And you come out and you decide you're going to be a run team? Like, and it's because you don't want to tip your hand? That's why I don't want to subscribe to that kind of theory. I kind of hope that's what's going on, because otherwise I, I have no explanation for what I'm seeing. That almost has to be the explanation but it's a dumb idea. <laughs> I mean, if it works, okay. I'll step back and I'll I'll give it to him. You know, if it, if it works, I can't knock it. Right. And and I'll kind of I'll eat my humble pie and say, all right, you're smarter than me, and this is why you're a Division One, you know, coach, and I'm obviously not. I'm a guy who talks into a microphone about sports, but like. Why on earth would you not want to just play your game? Like, is the first time that Utah State will actually play Utah State football going to be against BYU? Because then not even Utah State will know how to play their type of game.
1: Right? There, they, they won't have their,
3: what's the identity? The identity by then is set. Yeah, so it's like, you need to play how you're going to play. Air Force doesn't throw the ball against all these crappy teams they play. Who they play in week one? Like Northern Iowa or something like that? You know, they they played some lower team. They didn't throw the ball 50 times, so they can gamesmanship their week two opponent into thinking, "Oh, Utah Air Force throws the ball now. We we <laughs> gotta prepare for that." No, no they ran the ball because that's what they do. Utah State needs to throw the ball because that's what they're good at. Yes, run, you know, run the ball because they were obviously su- successful with that against UConn. I'm not opposed to running the ball. You know, if they can't stop it, especially in that second half. Or even parts of the first half. They couldn't stop it, so keep doing it. But at least try to run your offense. Don't run some other offense to make teams... like. Are they not going to know what you do? Because they have film from last year. They know what you do. Don't pretend like you're somebody else. I don't know. Going on rants here. I'm just just frustrated.
1: <laughs> you're not the only one. Uh, a lot more texts coming through on our full-court press text line. Keep them coming, 435-339-0321. We'll hear the coach's response to some of these issues uh, coming up. But 0366 says the offensive coordinator struggled. Yeah, and I think you know, if we've detailed that, I think it was just it was the game plan, and he stuck to his game plan. Yeah. and I, I, I think really that's what it comes down to. Uh, 2197, here's an idea. Let's put four receivers in the game and put them as close <laughs> as close as to out-of-bounds as possible to create space, then run the ball right down the middle of the defense. I
3: don't know if that's sarcasm because they're kind of already doing that. Well, but and then wide the wide rec- receivers get pushed
1: out-of-bounds. Yeah, they, they line up like
3: on the out-of-bounds line almost. I need to go back and actually look how close because every time they throw these sideline passes, I'm looking against UConn and against Alabama. They're throwing these sideline passes, and they're running out-of-bounds. And I'm like, are, are, how close are you lining up? Maybe yeah, move a few yards no in there. and I know if you get pushed out of bounds by the corner, you're allowed to come back in. Yes. and so Utah State had a couple of plays uh, against Yukon where he came back in, and it was a legal pass. It wasn't illegal touching. but I don't like them to have to fight to get back in bounds every single time, because maybe the corner just keeps them there. And I don't know if that's a penalty or not, but if, if they're kind of you know not doing holding or pass interference, if they just kind of keep them out of bounds and they never get back in.
1: Then it's incomplete. Yeah, that's out. No works. Uh, Five zero eight zero. We played like the whore that we are. We played for money. It was the worst feeling. I know that you know the
3: university's happy because that's that's almost like one sixteenth, roughly. You know, it's one Paul Brown of their athletic budget. Uh, Who's Paul Brown? He's the guy that founded the. uh, I think it was Paul Brown. He founded, the guy who founded the, the Bengals and the Browns. So he founded 116th of the NFL. Oh. So that's why I say it, that's why I use that. It's like a weird metric 116th. <laughs> I may have gotten his first name or his last name was Brown. Yeah, just Paul Brown because that was the name of the Bengals stadium, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, so like Utah State's athletic budget is roughly $32, 35000000 million. So 116th of their athletic budget. I know John Hartwell was whistling on his way to the bank.
1: Right. Well, I, I I thought Al Lewis had an interesting number on this in his uh KVNU game day. That that uh that one game equaled as much, maybe just a little bit more, than all of USU season tickets combined. So yeah. you don't have to play that game if there are more ticket sales, but I'm not gonna get on that high horse. Yeah, I, I've
3: I've thought of, you know, comparing like how much of the coach's salary does it pay and and stuff like that. Like, it's valuable. But like I said, they're they're two $2 million richer, roughly. There's and a price just, you pay yeah, to just, earn that money. It just came at the cost
1: of the dignity, Pride and dignity. of your team. Uh, 2197 uh, texting in. Uh, we have one running play. It's first version Tecmo Bowl playbook. <laughs> it's like Ask Madden.
3: And you, I played a lot of Madden 07. Just ask, man. All right, run the ball. Actually, my favorite play, or one of the plays I like to run in Madden 7 was four wide receiver set, halfback dive.
1: Because it spreads the, <laughs> the field out. Spread out. There's
3: one linebacker, five offensive linemen, <laughs> run it right at the middle. Worked great.
1: Fewer I, one-on-one matches. I
3: ran that play on third and nine, and it worked. <laughs> there should be an offensive coordinator
1: somewhere. No, I shouldn't. 3 uh, Look what I got started with Jason. reminds me of janitor rants about the Jazz. Also, at least... Our coaches are not going to new homes this year because we beat Bama with a run-run game. Uh, Yeah, if they keep this up, they're not going nowhere. Look, If if they end up uh, identifying who this team is and start playing like we believe their potential is, there's still that chance that they could still find new homes. Uh, 7994, uh, were there any, any injuries to Aggie starters? If not, maybe it was a successful trip to Alabama no injuries that really matter bumps and bruises yeah nothing significant guys left the game but those were primarily precautionary joiner got ejected yeah that's
3: he's technically not a starter though so <laughs> he'll be back yeah he he'll be he back. got
1: ejected like the end of
3: the second quarter so it's he like, just if you're gonna get
1: ejected that's the ideal <laughs> thing. yeah that's if you get you get
3: thrown for targeting do it in the last bit of the second quarter because then you get to play the next game
1: five six six two. First time the Aggies will play their game is when Bonner is fully healthy, physically and mentally. Not sure they're not trying to show their hand, just can't trust Bonner yet to be his 2021 self. He went 20 of 29
3: against UConn, threw for 281 yards, and what, three touchdowns? I mean, yeah, it was UConn, but Bonner looks about as good as he Like The main thing is going to be durability. Can he keep that up through a full game? you know be clutch will that knee be bothering him late in the game that'll that's the main concern i don't think he's injured enough that it's really affecting his game the question will be durability cuz again we, we've seen him play well once already he was throwing the ball around against yukon like 24 points in the second quarter against yukon they lit it up cuz they actually played like they could play for a quarter that's why there's there's still that's why i'm not completely throwing this team out the window cuz i i believe that there's, you know, something with this offense. I believe there's in the talent. There's more there. Yeah, yeah, there's more there than what we're seeing. Yeah, I believe in the talent. I believe in who they have. There's more than what they're showing us. But again, that's an assumption that's not yet been proven.
1: More and to get I, into this. Uh, <laughs> love the text, and reactions. We'll continue to break it down and get your your reactions to what happened on Saturday with Utah State, 435 Do we need to take a timeout? Uh, remind you that uh, the Napa gold filter sale is going on and when that happens it means that it's time to stock up. All Napa gold filters are on sale at up to 60% off and they have big discounts on oil too. They've got the Napa gold filter sale through September 15th at your locally owned Preston of Providence Napa Auto Parts stores.
0: Serving part time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me.
3: Sponsored by the Utah Army National Guard. Aired by the Utah Broadcasters Association and this station.
4: Finding, interviewing, and hiring. One of the most difficult things a business can do. The Cache Valley Media Group can help. If you need employees now or in the near future, plan to participate in the Cache Valley Media Group job fair Thursday, September 22nd at Castle Matter in Hyde Park. From 11 a.m. till 6 p.m. Don't miss this opportunity to talk to hundreds of potential employees looking for work or wanting to change their careers. Call 752-1390 or go to cashvalleymediagroup.com That's
1: cashvalleymediagroup.com
4: To get involved Thursday, September 22nd at the Joffera Castle Manor in Hyde Park. Presented by Cash Valley Media Group. Loveland Living Planet Aquarium takes us outside our everyday lives into a world of discovery. It's a chance to explore our innate Curiosity. Discover animals from around the world and experience the all-new outdoor plaza and eco. More to explore at Loveland Living Planet Aquarium. Reserve your visit at thelivingplanet.com. Hi, my name is Chad Mangum from Aegis Home Health and Hospice.
3: For the last 21 years, I've been providing nursing services to the community of Cache, Box Elder, and Rich Counties. Aegis represents the breastplate of Zeus and is symbolic of being a protector of the community. At Aegis Healthcare, we know you will experience the difference. With our core values of character, experience, and trust, we know that we can meet any of your healthcare
1: needs wherever you call home. Call us today at 723-9000 or check us out at myAges.com.
0: The people have spoken. Steel-coated epoxy floors of Cache Valley has been voted gold medal winner for 2022 Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row. Known for their extremely durable floor coating systems, they can completely transform your concrete. Garages and shops, porches and patios, they coat it all. With over 25 years of operation, steel-coated epoxy floors is Cache Valley's premier coating professionals. Contact Steel Coated Floors of Cash Valley today. Find them online at steelcoatedfloors.com. The Aggies, Jazz, high schools, even the Pee Wees T-ball team. It's the full court press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan.
2: Everybody else that we took got on the field for the most part. We played a lot of bodies as the game progressed. It made sense to get as many reps for as many guys as we could, those are valuable reps. I think just for confidence and understanding that I can get a signal, go out and do what I was asked to do, and uh, that was that was pop, you know probably one of the most positive things that we got. A lot of guys got in and played.
1: That's Blake Anderson on his press conference yesterday, and we've got that audio as well as player audio from the presser yesterday. Ike Larson and Alfred Edwards met with the media. You can find that on our podcast feed on 1069thefan.com and on the 1069thefan mobile app. A couple more texts coming through. We want to get to those. Is a lot of you reacting to the loss on Saturday. 435-339-0321. Uh, 8968. Maybe if more people would show up to the games, you wouldn't need these body bag games. They'd still play them. USU will USU will always need a big money game. And even if they didn't, like if, if we sold out every
3: game, they'd still do them because they'd say, all right, we're going to keep increasing our athletic budget. Yes. Because they, if they say, all right, with the season tickets and everything, we're suddenly getting $40 million in athletic revenue. Well, then they say, all right, well, we can push that to 42 by playing these buy games. They're never going to be
1: satisfied. Well, and to some degree, if you're selling out every game like that, then that probably means you've got a good team. And then that team wants to be able to prove what it can do. Boise State's still playing P5 teams all the time. Yeah. They're not doing that for budget reasons. They're doing that for ranking reasons. Yeah. So
3: that would be the ideal is if you are, yeah, like I said, the context that would be a good team that sells out. And then you'd be pushing even further because maybe you'd be, you know, a few years we're going to have the 12-team playoff that suddenly gives Utah State an actual chance to play in the playoffs. Yeah, true. Um, so, you know,
1: that would be an ideal season, but we're a ways off from that. We're not there yet. Uh, 6543, if I was working three hours for a $2 million check, I certainly would have put in a better effort than I saw on national TV. The brag from last year about this program being able to compete with any in the nation has been totally debunked forever. This was not even a warm-up game for the Tide. CSU-Michigan was fun to watch. CSU played the full playbook.
3: Yeah, it just, it, it is frustrating because they gave all of the appearances of not wanting to be there. They'll never admit they didn't want to be there. But they if it walks
1: like a duck and quacks like a duck, that game was a duck. It was a conservative game plan offensively, no question uh 2947 here's my honest take and i mean this in the kindest way we simply decided not to try on saturday against bama for me it was apparent the only goal was to not get injured get the check and go home i think that was the direction given and what the coaches carried out outside of some of our defensive plays there was no sign of effort for aggressive risk taking all the runs up in the middle on third and longs etc the goal was survival we didn't really try to play the game of football so i would agree we still have Yet to really see this Aggie team, lots of potential.
3: Yeah, your two options with this are Utah State didn't try or they tried and got
1: absolutely punked. I don't like either of those options. All right, a lot more text coming through. We'll get to those. We'll hear more from the coach and the players as well here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan hey it's jackson with mountain west motor inviting you
4: to check out our new location at 615 north main and logan if you're looking for a rig that will turn heads on the road each vehicle on our lot has been customized and built for your adventure
1: whether it's hauling kids hauling trailers or roaming in the mountains choose from our collection of trucks and suvs at mountain west motor like no other dealership in cache valley visit us at mwmotor.com mountain west motor built for your adventure
4: Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL it's a week one matchup of two Super Bowl contenders as Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals hi this is Chris Carino join Brian Baldiger and me for all the action as we kick off the new season in style with two of the league's top quarterbacks dueling in the desert it's the Arizona Cardinals and the Kansas City Chiefs if it's the NFL it's right here This is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. We are humbled by and grateful for the tremendous support we have been shown since opening our doors nearly two years ago. So we just wanna say thank you. On behalf of everyone at White Pine, first and foremost, thank you for allowing us the honor and privilege of serving you and caring for your loved ones. Additionally, thank you for voting White Pine the best mortuary in Cache Valley in both 2021 and 2022.
0: This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cash Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press.
2: Uh, we did get out of the game healthy in the sense of just bumps and bruises. Uh, we... We pulled Logan fairly early. He did get dinged, but he's fine, structurally fine. Sore, going to be sore for a couple days, but uh, should be fine and ready to go. Holley didn't finish, but, again, bumps and bruises, not not a significant injury. Everybody that played uh, got out of it. um, Physical game, very sore, very physical game, sore, but should be fine by Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and I would expect to be at full strength when we play on Saturday.
1: So there's uh, Coach Blake Anderson, uh, pretty much injury-free for Utah State, which, uh, yes, that's a win. <laughs> that's yeah. G- that's good.
3: A lot, a lot of people were hoping that, and we're seeing that as one of the main goals of this game.
1: Yes. Uh, before We've got a couple more texts coming through. We'll get to those. Hang tight. But uh, before we finish off the top of the hour here, we need to get to our pick six results, the six things we predicted for the weekend. So, Jason, you predicted the point spread for USU at Alabama would be 36-and-a-half. Um, you took the over. I took the under. It was 55, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, the over-under on total offense for USU, you set it at 210-and-a-half. Uh, it was actually 136. You took the under. I took the over. So, so far, you're 2-and-0. Uh, home runs by Albert Pujols versus the Cubs. This is in their three-game series. He had one home run on Sunday. Line was set at 0.5. I took the over. You took the under. So we're two to one. Uh, Who plays a closer game, USU or Colorado State? Well, Aggies 55 to zero. Colorado State 51 to seven against Michigan. So Colorado State played closer, and I took the Rams. You took the Aggies. Um, Mountain West football wins this weekend. Line was set at five and a half. Uh, There were six wins for the Mountain West for the weekend, which started on Thursday. So I'll consider the week of Mountain West football. I took the over. You took the under. And so now it comes to this. Um, I, I'm actually I'm, I'm one up on you now. So I've got three. You've got two. So does it get tied and go to our tiebreaker? Um, or do I win? Uh, so the line was Dodgers versus Padres on Sunday. Dodgers by two and a half. That's what I set the line at. I took the over, you took the under. Dodgers won 12 to (laughs) 1.
4: The streak has ended. (laughs) I'm Dan Patrick and this is above the noise. There is a tremendous amount of turnover in college football every year, but just because teams rosters look entirely different, that doesn't mean the results will vary. This weekend was a perfect example of that. The SEC has been college football's most dominant conference for years now. Despite losing most of its players to the NFL over the last couple of years, the SEC teams still continue their dominance. Unranked Florida took down number 7 Utah, Georgia embarrassed number 11 Oregon, and Arkansas surprised 23 Cincinnati. Still early in the season, who knows how the SEC will fare the remainder of the year, but the conference has been producing elite programs for years now. And after last week, the SEC is now a total of 14-1. The revolving door of players in college football is supposed to help even out the playing field. But if you look at last weekend's results, one thing is very clear. The SEC is still the most dominant conference in college football. That's not changing anytime soon. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise we nice.